Hello and welcome to Boxing and Bullshit. It's Monday, December 9th, 2019. I'm your host, Alex Diaz. This is the very first episode. There's going to be some kinks i got to work through. Uh, it does feel really weird just talking to myself. Uh, the plan was to have, you know, maybe a couple of friends on and uh, just kind of debate things. And we probably still will, but I think this very first episode, I'm just going to end up doing it by myself. Um... And just to tell you a little bit about myself, my name is Alex. I'm like a lifelong boxing fan. Uh, I go to fights a lot. I kind of plan everything around boxing. I'm pretty obsessed with it. I go like on boxing scene, fight news. I just constantly on like Instagram, just looking up like any kind of boxing news that there is. Uh, I enjoy the sport, but I also enjoy things that like in the background, like things that the average fan, the uh, casual, maybe doesn't look up, you know what I mean? Like, uh, rumors, fight purses. Um, I think when, like, uh, when fights are going to, like, have the possibility of being made, you know, um, and even, like, uh, some, of the, like <laughs> some of the gossip, like, some of that stuff's pretty interesting, too. The purpose of the podcast is to... Just give my perspective on the sport, who the best fighters are, uh, who I feel might be overrated, underrated, what I feel like the best challenges would be for some of the champions and even some of the upcoming fighters um, to challenge, to debate uh, the audience, to keep you entertained and just uh, vent sometimes. Sometimes uh, I love the sport, but sometimes it just drives you nuts. Some of the scoring, the judges, the promoters, the managers. They just seem to like hinder the progress of the sport. There's so many great fighters right now. I think we live like in a, you can almost say like a golden age in the welterweight division. The heavyweights, um, it's getting pretty stacked up. Lots of interesting fights to be made. We just want to see them be made. And um, it's it's almost a shame sometimes that you see like guys go out of their prime because the promoters can't get along. They can't come up with... Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just jump into like last weekend's fights. Um, we had a... We had a pretty uh, pretty busy weekend. You had the Charlo Hogan fight, the Navarrete fight, and of course the uh, Anthony Joshua, Andy Ruiz fight. I'm going to start off with Charlo, almost because I keep hearing that Canelo and Triple G are, like, running that they're scared of him. But his career has kind of become stagnant, right? So he's fighting Dennis Hogan, who uh, he, he he should have gotten the nod against uh, Jaime Munguia. He outboxed him. But you can't really compare Charlo to Munguia. Uh, Charlo has way more skills than Munguia does. Munguia is just... A really big Mexican fighter throws a lot of punches. He's got decent power, and I wouldn't say he has like crazy knockout power, only because he's never really knocked out like a top. Well, he hasn't really fought. I guess you could say like a top five opponent, right? He beat Salam Ali for the title, who should have been a welterweight. 
outweighed him by like 30 pounds. <laughs> just the dude, he he didn't have a shot, man. It was just it wasn't even it wasn't a fair matchup. But back to Charlo, he you know he fuck man, that guy is he refuses to challenge himself. I think he has what well, it's just like his second title defense uh, off a title that he was pretty much just handed because Canelo got the franchise championship. Which is a make-believe belt, but essentially it's him not having to fulfill any kind of like mandatory defenses. But Charlo has like he had the option; he could have fought uh, Daniel Jacobs. He he seemed to be a little bit um, I wouldn't say scared. I don't think fighters are necessarily scared of each other. But when Daniel Jacobs approached him, he seemed to kind of like. Uh, <laughs> Kind of uh, settled down a little bit. All this shit he was talking, all that, all that nonsense, that bravado, it kind of went out the window when uh, Daniel Jacobs Jacobs was actually like walking backstage. Happens to see him, comes back, approaches him. Charlo, his whole mood, his demeanor, everything about that changed. All you know, all that tough talk kind of went out the window, and he settled down a lot. The best fight for Charlo, I feel, would be Demetrius Andre. They're both. Um, Avoided fighters, right? They present a certain level of risk that may not be worth the reward. They're slick fighters and have good fundamentals. Great boxing ability, good footwork, solid defenses. But they don't have a huge following. I don't think they garner the kind of interest from the casual boxing fan that a Canelo, a Triple G... All the big names do. They both keep pricing themselves out of big fights, right? So you figure if you're if you're the odd man out, you have to do something to get some of these big matchups. Charlo wants Triple G or Canelo, and Andre is in the exact same position. You have to do something, so it's going to have to be drastic. I'm. Assuming that DAZN would put up the money. Because they're paying everybody. They're just fucking blowing money like crazy. I'm sure they would make him a pretty significant offer. Almost certain it would be two, three times whatever he's made. Like previously. To fight Andre. And here's the thing. Whoever wins that fight. Is going to have some sort of leverage. Because at that point. They'll be a unified champion at 160. And depending on. Whether Canelo or Triple G, whoever wins uh, the trilogy, that person now, if they want to stay at 160 and really be called like the man, like the guy, they're going to have to acknowledge one of those fighters. There's a high risk for both fighters, but there's a really big reward because those guys are going to go from making $1 million, a million and a half, to pretty much being able to demand. Uh, upwards of like 10 to 15 million. And that's what Daniel Jacobs got. Daniel Jacobs got $15 million to fight Canelo. He's about to fight Chavez. He pretty much, you know, he made enough. He made in one fight probably the same amount of money that he made throughout his whole career. And it just shows you that, you know, you you risk, you know, um, lo- losing to a credible opponent, but you have so much to gain from it. And I think that's what they've both been missing. I I would say Andre 
challenges himself, has been challenging himself more than Charlo. But he, that's, it might be just because he's on zone and he doesn't really have that many options. Now, if Charlo decides not to fight Andre, you always have the chance of fighting Derevchenko, who happened to be at his fight this past weekend. And Derevchenko, he, man, that, I watched the fight maybe already like five times. He beat Triple G. He just didn't get the nod. He got, yeah, he's, yes, he got dropped, but he won most of those rounds, and they were pretty significant rounds. He hurt Triple G plenty of times with his body, and the dude throws a crazy amount of punches. So for Charlo, he either gets to try and outbox a slick boxer in Andre, or he's going to have to match up and try and box somebody that's going to be all over him because Derevchenko never seems to get tired. Sergey throws, you know, roughly 80 punches around, and he's in your face, and he's constantly just like, Moving, 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 pressuring, pressuring, pressuring. And it's just, it, for a fighter like Charlo, it's going to prove like what kind of grit he has, what kind of skills he has. And, you know, he like, Derevchenko will be open to get hit. And the one thing we've seen with Charlo is that his power is actually, he seems to be coming in zone. Because he's able now to have the kind of power. Because I believe he has 22 knockouts in like 30 fights. He's a, you know... 29 years old, he's in his prime. He's in his absolute prime. He's got a great trainer. He's like he he's right in the position he needs to be to beat the most elite fighters at 160. The problem for him is going to be getting the leverage to get them in the ring and fight him. Moving on to the heavyweight division, the Andy Ruiz uh, Anthony Joshua rematch. Kind of went the way I expected it to. Uh, the odds well, were pretty interesting, right? I think it was like plus fifteen hundred if you uh, if you bet on Joshua getting a decision. Um, the bookies, the betters, pretty much had Joshua. He was going to win and within seven and a half rounds by knockout, and it was like something crazy, like plus twenty five hundred for uh, Ruiz to get a decision. Man, the a lot of people were let down with it. I, I keep seeing online everyone just kind of like talking shit. Oh, you know, Anthony Joshua ran. You don't want to see this in the heavyweight division. He's like a chicken. He felt like he was scared. He just... that that That's the perspective of somebody that doesn't really enjoy boxing, right? Well, all these Andy Ruiz fans just popped up out of nowhere. Um, he, I like Ruiz. I've always liked him. I've seen him live a few times. I think he uh, he's his own worst enemy, right? Uh, about a year and a half ago, I think uh, Top Rank dropped him. And the reason they dropped him was because they felt like he wouldn't motivate himself. They said, you know, whenever he had any kind of free time, the dude wasn't in the gym. He wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing. It Them dropping him and... Being vocal about why they did helped motivate him. He he lost some weight. He lost some weight. He got picked up by Al Heyman. He won a fight. Got himself to a, like a you know to fight for a title, and he made the most of it. And in that, in that first fight, Joshua was not dominating, but he was doing what he was supposed to be doing early in the fight. Dropped Ruiz. And Andy showed the kind of grit and really the fortitude that he had. He fought back. He he went. 
he was willing to go out on his shield. Because when Joshua tried to finish him, he stood his ground. He has the faster hands. He was, you know, within his range. And he let his hands go. And he shocked the world. Now, that was a career-high payday. $5 million for Andy. Never seen that kind of money before. And he began to spurge. He ended up negotiating and holding out um, for a bigger purse for this fight. Even though it was already like set within the contract of the first fight. They had a rematch clause. He did everything he had to do <laughs> to try and like postpone the fight. Claiming he wasn't willing to fight in England. That he wasn't going to fight in Saudi Arabia. That he wanted to fight. At some point he started talking all this bullshit about trying to go fight in Mexico against Joshua. And it just, you know, he was just trying to position himself, have some leverage. Uh, Eddie Hearn threatened to take him to court as they had like a ironclad contract. But they ended up giving him the kind of money he wanted. Uh, by all estimates, he made nine to $13 million for this fight. The problem is, and this, this is what like really, like you're beginning to see a lot of people turn on Andy. And I think that like, Boxing boxing fans are fickle, right? It's like, what have you done for me lately? That's that's all it ever is. There's this expectation of a champ to win, to be perfect. And that's that's never the case. It's really it's really never the case. There's no fighter out there that I can think of um that was perfect. You know, the the one undefeated fighter that I know of is Ricardo Fini de Lopez, and I'll give him that credit. Now, Mayweather, yeah, undefeated. But he lost to Castillo. He avenged him, but he lost to him. It's a whole different story. Andy, how, like, I, it, it, it almost boggles your mind. You know, like, all this shit came out after. Once he weighed in, and you saw that the dude was, he was just big. He just went in there, like, Went in there like heavy, like <laughs> heavy, heavy, heavy for him. He didn't motivate himself. You know, by all accounts, he had Manny Robles begging him to get in the gym in June, July, shortly after his fight. He's like, hey, man, just take a little bit of time off. Get back in the gym. Let's focus. It, it might be like the most cliche, but probably the truest saying that winning a title is difficult. Keeping a title is so much harder. And he's out there. Yeah, the rumors are, man, that he he blew through his like the first. He blew through all the money of the first fight in five months. It's crazy. Partying, throwing like crazy ass birthday parties, fucking. Buying all sorts of chains and jewelry and all this bullshit. That's cool. That's his money. The dude, you know, if you don't ever have anything and you make some like life altering purses, yeah, you're, you're going to, you know, you want to, you want to treat yourself. You've earned it. But the motivation can't be gone. You have to keep yourself in there. You got to keep doing what you got to do. And he just saw it. He looked slow. He like. He he doesn't have like good footwork. Hell, he, he's he's never been like allowed on his feet. He just fucking he's got some fast fucking hands. 
pretty decent power fast fast hands great combinations it, it's it's crazy you, like you look at him you're like you know, that guy can't fucking move like that he can't he can't punch like that no nah, dude's got he's got real real like really good hand speed but people are mad at joshua he boxed dude he gave him a fucking boxing clinic of the three top heavyweights you have deontay wilder dude has about there i wouldn't he's got some he's got he's pretty he got some some shitty uh you know boxing ability but he's got a right hand that can change a fight in a split second he just did it at ortiz he was losing every fucking round one punch that's over you don't see his right hand coming you're gonna go to sleep and then you have tyson fury the best boxer in the division. Slick, dude. You know, six foot nine, fucking 260 pounds and shit. And he just moves. He's got good lateral movement, nice jab. He just, he he's, almost seems like if he doesn't want to be hit, he won't be hit. The dude's got legit, like, great defense. And just, he, his hand speed's pretty good, too. He's, he might be like the weakest puncher of the top three, but it's only because I think he focuses so much on like his boxing ability and he just kind of he he wants to like school fighters, you know what I mean like you could see like he relishes in it, he starts mocking them, he starts dancing around like doing silly shit, you know like he's he's funny he's like he's a character, and then you have Joshua. Who in this fight I thought kind of proved he's right in between both. He can punch. And now he can box. And the dude's a gold medalist. He's had the skills. But he started wanting to be a fucking weightlifter. A power lifter at that. You know, and go in there looking like fucking Terminator. <laughs> and that's just not that wasn't what was best for him. I did see stats where it was like Earlier in his career, as he like went up and like won like his first championship, he actually uh, slugged more. Uh, he didn't rely as much on the jab, whatever, right? And over his last three fights, he actually relied more on like jabbing, but it was different because he started kind of carrying his left hand really low and having to bring it up, and that wasn't really working for him. Every single time I'd watch him fight, I'd man, dude, someone's gonna hit him with the right hand and just fuck. I mean. If he kept his hand that low and fought Deontay Wilder, he'd fucking be in a coma. He doesn't seem to have like the best chin, but he does have will. Because even in the Klitschko fight, he got dropped and then he was getting hurt. And the dude kept on coming back. He gets a second win. He keeps trying and he can overcome. Winning this, winning this fight, like, where do they go? You know, where do they go from here? Joshua just outboxed him, gave him a master, just a fucking master boxing lesson. What's he going to do now? He has uh, two, actually, mandatory defenses that he has to fulfill. So he's going to be stripped of one of the titles. He either has to fight uh, Kobrat Pulev or Alexander Usyk. 
And whoever he doesn't fight, he's going to be stripped of that title. I'm assuming that he's going to go with against Usyk, just because they're both in the zone, and it might be uh, financially like the what makes most sense. Pulev will probably end up fighting uh, Adam Kanaki. <laughs> They'll get the title, and then depending on who wins, will probably fight Deontay Wilder. See, I, I don't see the Anthony Joshua Deontay Wilder fight happening anytime soon. Because they both have, like they are, they've already set up their plans for, like, I believe, like halfway into twenty twenty. You have Walder Fury too, February twenty second at the MGM Grand, and then after that, Walder will probably fight Kanaki. Joshua is going to fight Usyk, and depending on that fight goes, because that's not going to be an easy fight. Usyk was the best cruiserweight by far. And has shown real skills, even though his debut in the heavyweight division didn't really look all that great. But that leaves Andy Ruiz completely out of the picture. Because who's he going to fight? The, probably the best fight for him would be just fighting... Maybe maybe even just fighting Ortiz. You know, like try and keep your name out there. Let's say, you know, Wilder... Let's say he beats let's let's just say he beats Fury, even though I don't think he will. If he beats Fury, Kanaki fights Pulev. And now both titles will be with the you know, two of the titles will be with PVC. Ruiz fights Ortiz and one in one of the undercards. And then you have the position for them to keep themselves roughly in the you know top five of the division and eventually challenge. You know, to be like maybe like a, a you know a mandatory. Anthony Joshua, I see him fighting Usyk and having a rematch against Dillian White because Dillian White's right there, man. He's like he's so close. After losing to Joshua, he's just been on a rampage. Hasn't looked all that great in all of his fights, but he kind of does show you like glimpses, like he's right there. He just has to keep himself focused and keep going. And on any given night, they're heavyweights. They could be like each one of them can beat each other. Well, that concludes my very first episode of Boxing and Bullshit. There's going to be plenty of kinks I want to work through. I got to figure this shit out. It does feel really weird talking to myself. I got to reiterate that. But it's going to be fun. I'm going to keep giving you my perspective on boxing. I'll probably throw a little bit of other sports in there maybe even some like current events or like some you know some dumb shit um but just uh thank you for taking the time to listen you have yourselves a great day i'm out